welcome back to another edition of PD and P-Dubs Unscripted. And once again, we have another guest joining me here today, but he doesn't fit the criteria that Pastor Warren set off of being a Seinfeld and a Cubs fan. We have my good friend Peter Frank joining us here. Peter is a diehard White Sox fan. So, Peter, welcome. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. And yeah. no, I'm definitely not a Cubs fan. That's good. You know, I was getting too much Cub love here lately on the podcast. Oh, yeah. And especially when they're winning, that's just not good. So Yeah. So, Peter and me, our history goes back quite a long time. Like, we were talking at breakfast before we came to the studio that it's been about 30 years that we've known each other since we were about eight years old. Yeah, I think it was 1993 when we uh, moved and uh, went started going to St. Matthew, where you were a member. Right, yeah, so St. Matthew in Barrington, which is my home church where I grew up, and Peter joined about second grade time, and ever since then we've been friends. Yeah, and we worked at the grocery store together for, what, six years at Jewel Osco? Yeah, we worked at Barrington. Jewel for six, well, I mean, I was there seven years all together. Yeah, I left early. <laughs> right. And then, you know, you went to Concordia, Maquan. I went to the right Concordia in River Forest. Yep, and we moved to St. Louis at the same time when you started seminary and I started at uh, CPH. Right, so, you know, our, our lives have been kind of intertwined for a while that, you know, feels like Peter follows me at times. I know. Yeah, now I'm at seminary a, a few years later than you, but uh, that's right. I bring some uh, more wisdom to it. Bring more wisdom, yeah. So, so that's why I thought it'd be great to have Peter on. As he mentioned, he just is at the seminary right now. And he is, what, two weeks fresh off of his vicarage. Yeah. And for those that are maybe unfamiliar with the term vicarage, because it is a unknown term for a lot of people, pretty much it's an intern pastor. Yeah. we uh, uh, Vicarage is... Uh, vicar means substitute, so like a substitute pastor, which is kind of strange because I was working under a pastor, not right. filling in for a pastor. Yeah, that's why I always go, it's like an internship. Yeah, pastoral intern is a, a better way of describing it. So I thought he could come and share his experience with his church, St. Stephen's in Hickory, North Carolina, and I can, you know, reflect about my vicarage and Redeemer Lutheran Church in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and that was 09 in 2010 when I was in Oklahoma. Oh my goodness. That's so, a long time ago. I know. So we thought it was just kind of funny because I know like when call day took place back in May, April, April, that's April, Pastor Warren, P-Dubs and me, we talked about kind of our call day experiences and talking about the excitement. So I thought this would be a great kind of, in a sense, follow-up of talking about vicarage and experiences, things we learned and memories. And for Peter, they're fresh. For me, not as fresh. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's 14 years ago now. Yeah, wow, it's a hard time, but yeah. So Peter and me, like you said, we went to St. Matthew together. We also, I remember doing VBS together, leading VBS classes. Yeah, we were co-teachers of third grade, and then we were like, kids. I, well, we liked the kids so much, we ended up doing fourth grade the yeah, next year. Yeah, I remember same we had kids. the same kids for two years. I remember one year going to your house afterwards and filling up water balloons to get in a water fight oh, with uh, the kind of... Because we were college age, I think, at that point. Yeah, I think we were in college. But I think it was like the high schoolers that were running the games out in the field at St. Matthew. We had to get a water fight with them, and we filled up a bunch of water balloons at your place. Oh, that was the the highlight of every VBS for the water games. Right. And, um, at our, our at St. Stephen's, we they had one water day, which really right. cut it short for the kids because we did water almost every day. Yeah, we didn't do we don't do as much water here, like because I know this year what we tried to do, and there's videos of it, and it, it went, but it was a little chaotic, but doing Mentos in pop. Oh, boy. <laughs> and we had like these different things that were supposed to spray them in different ways. And and I found out if you use Diet Pop, it doesn't stick or anything. Oh, Because of the lack of sugar. Lack of sugar. 
So yeah, yeah, so that was our VBS having that. But yeah, there's not as much any water games. We did all sorts of water games at St. Matthew, though. I remember uh, water balloon volleyball. Yeah, that's what I was saying with the towel. Yeah, and that's, you know, we would try not to use too many water balloons for the game so that we could throw them at each other afterwards. Right. And I think maybe at least because here we don't have that much green space. Yeah. So a lot of ours is like, I mean, I guess you could do out in the parking lot, but there's where people are parking and yeah. so we're in the gym a lot. But where we do have a lot of our water fun is at our field day for our school. Oh, yeah. So, like, that's, you know, last week of school, we go to Oast Field here in Palatine, which is just up the street, like a five-minute walk. And okay. huge water fight always ensues <laughs> at the end where, you know, I got to make sure I take everything out of my pockets. And we get those <laughs> huge, like, kind of giant syringes. Oh, and yeah, each of the yeah. kids and everybody gets those. Everybody gets one. Oh, And wow. so that's what we use to squirt and spray each other and... Got to be careful. It's a little slick out there. Oh, yeah. It's better on grass than on the concrete. Yeah, because you guys fun. did you have a field day at St. Stephen's? Yeah, that was one of their last days. They had 12 different stations, and there's a lot of water games. They had uh, like a duck-duck-goose kind of yeah. uh, water game. So our, our two oldest kids, Sawyer and Melody, were part of that, and so we got to follow them around. And, and Everett, our little baby, he just watched. Okay. Um, but uh, they got they got really wet during the games. Mm. And then the last thing, they had a fire truck come and pull up next to the green field and just shoot out their hose for about five minutes straight. Okay. And so if you didn't get wet enough during the games, you got soaked by the fire hose if you wanted to. Right. You could, you could avoid it. And I've seen that before because I remember a few years ago, I was at my parents' house. And if you remember, Peter, Your there's a, yeah. well, he's a firefighter, retired, but there's also the elementary school right by my parents' house. Oh, yeah. And so the Fosher Girl Fire Department, I remember coming back because we were actually visiting my dad at work because my youngest nephew, we took him to go see my dad at work so he could see the fire trucks up close because dad was getting ready to retire. And we figured that was kind of one of the last easy chances for Leo to go and see fire trucks. And when we were coming home, they had one of the engines there on Old Hunt there by where I grew up. And it was just spraying from the top out onto the field for the kids. That's awesome. I think that's such a great thing for them to do for the community and just right. <laughs> get some wet. That's right. what they're looking for. Yeah, because I know at our field day, they have like volleyball. They have like, I think, spike ball and other different games. I know this year I pretty much stuck by the kickball game with the middle school kids. So like the oh, different yeah. grades. So I was playing kickball most of the time. Oh, yeah. That was the big recess thing at St. Stephen's. So I always played kickball. And, yeah, they I'd walk across the, the field to go home for lunch and uh, and try to avoid getting hit yeah. by a kickball. But, yeah, kickball is a fun one. You know, it's a little bit of gets that baseball in me, you know, That's a little right. bit of playing baseball. But, yeah, so maybe you can talk a little bit about Vicarage. Like, I don't know where you want to start, if it's like a memory or like something you learn. Yeah, well, I think – First off, Vicarage is just a, a very surreal experience because you really don't have anything like that um, in the rest of a, a ministry because you go away for one year and one year only, and you're expected to just uh, really commit to a place. And right. um, our director told us, he's like, unpack your boxes, set up your office, set up your house, just be part of the congregation. And and that was probably the best the best aspect of Vicarage was becoming part of the congregation because the people showed us so much love. And right. so it became home for us for a year. And and the goal of Vicarage is to really take what you've learned in the first two years of seminary and put it into practice, find out where you have some areas of growth, and, and then come back to seminary for your fourth year to, to work on that. Right. And even I think, too, part of that comeback for your fourth year is like things that came up on your Vicarage that weren't maybe discussed in a class, right. you could bring up in a classroom saying, being like, 
hey, how would you handle this? Exactly. Because, yeah, like, I enjoyed my time at the seminary, good group of friends, enjoyed a lot of my classes, some not as much, maybe depending <laughs> on the topic. But to me, that year of Vicarage was the most valuable because you got that real-life experience, and maybe that's because I'm more of that hands-on kind of learner like that, of like, and then kind of learning and seeing it in action, being like, okay, this is... Like, to me, I remember, like, when it kind of became real for me in a sense... Was like it was maybe my first week in town, and you know I lived in the parsonage, which was right next to the church. And but I remember being on and the internet on AOL Instant Messenger. Remember that in the good old days. I can't. I was like, I was like, what was Peter's screen name? I can't even remember. Was it Ogre or something? Oh, Ogres are onions. Yeah, from Shrek. Shrek. Yeah, yeah. Mine was Chai Sock thirteen thirteen. That's of, right. Because my love oh, of the socks Ozzie and Ozzy Ian. <laughs> but with that i remember it was like it was the first week i was in town and like so and at that point aol was kind of people still use that now it's defunct but i saw the youth you know i was like here if you need here's my con screen name but i remember one of the kids like at 10 11 o'clock at night sending me a message being like hey my parents are fighting i think they're going to get a divorce but i was just like in the first week of being there that trust that that kids showed and be like oh this is real world stuff of like Here's people coming to me with their struggles and a kid, you know, at the time he was a high school age student. And, but I was like, that's one of those ones. Cause like, even now I tell the kids like, listen, if you have a problem or an issue, you're better likely to text me. Cause I'll see that if it's at later at night, if you Snapchat me after a certain point at night, I'm not going to look at that right. signing those boundaries. But that was one of those, I'm like, but if you text me and say it's some sort of emergency late night, I will respond if I see it and I'm awake. Yeah. So that was like a conversation with that youth. I'm just being like, hey, you know, just trying to help support him through that. And that was one of those, like, that was like that real moment of like, oh, here's actual ministry. That that trust aspect is a key part. That's something I really noticed too, um, was just there's a, a, that being in that role, that office, um, right. people automatically trust you more, and, right. and there's a humility and a responsibility that comes right. with that. It's that humbling and like, I hope I lead in the right way or don't misuse right. their trust. Uh, my, uh, my, my day off was Thursday, and the pastor's days off was Fridays. And so on Fridays, I got to basically be the pastor for anything mm-hmm. that came up. And there was a Friday pretty early on where a family, the, the family was a member or were members, but the dad, his dad was not. And he was in the hospital in his last hours. Mm-hmm. And the family called up and asked if somebody could come and be with them and pray with them. And so I was there. And you know, to walk into a hospital room with, there was about 12 people there. They'd come in to be with him. Uh, that like, And they were eager for me to be there and to share... Mm-hmm. God's love with them and, and to talk about the, the hope of the resurrection. Like, what a wonderful opportunity to share Jesus, but also humbling and scary because... Because did you know the family that well at that point? No, no, I only recognized them from church. I didn't... And that's one of those hard things of, like, going to visit somebody in the hospital when you don't really know them. Because I think how I would be in the hospital, I've only had one overnight stay in the hospital, and, you know, you're not in the greatest of moods. No, no. I don't really want to see anybody, but, like... I think back to, and I don't know if the seminary has changed this, but like we had the institutional module yeah. and cross-cultural. My institutional module is working at the one hospital in Illinois oh, yeah. mm-hmm. as it was a memorial or something. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so like I remember then going in and like vi- trying to visit people, and that was to me an awkward and uncomfortable thing at time because it was like, here I am going into this hospital yeah. room, not knowing this person, yep. and be like, hey, I'm with the chaplain's department. Would you like a pastor visit? Or, you know, I'm starting to be a... 
And somebody like, nope. <laughs> and it's like, because you don't know, I mean, you might know a little bit of their faith background about how active they are. And it's, it's like, you know, this is like the first time I'm meeting you is in the hospital, not yeah. the prime choice of when I want to meet somebody for the first time. I mean, it's different compared to like uh, when you're a pastor and it's somebody from your congregation where right. you know them mm-hmm. and you have that connection. You already have a relationship in place and you know what to talk about. Right. Yeah, that that's the, the difficult part about vicarage is because they are... They are willing to trust you with that relationship that is not even there yet. Right. Um, but it, that's where that vicar term comes in. You're a substitute, not just mm. substitute pastor, but you're you're in the place of Christ. You know, right. You're in his by his authority coming in and sharing his right. love and uh, yeah, like I said, humbling, um, but also just what an opportunity because that's when people need Jesus most and they mm. need to hear his love and, and his mercy and and you get to be the one to provide that. Right, and like there was all those stories, like too. I think of like that will always stand out to me for my vicarage was, I remember it was probably first month or so, and down in Oklahoma, and like we had a member who was nearing her end of life, and they lived just down the street from me, but I didn't know exactly where because I was new and mm-hmm. never visited yeah. them at their home. I think I visited her in the hospital, which you know set off a bad string of like the first like four or five people I visited in the hospital died not oh, that long no. after, <laughs> and my senior pastor was like don't come visit me if I'm in the hospital. I was like, I, I know, I'm like the angel of death. But I remember like, we were like, okay, he's like, hey, you know, because he lived a little bit further out in the town than I did. So he's like, hey, you know, let's grab lunch and then we'll go see this person and visit with them. So that way, in case something happens over the weekend, you can get there quicker because you're just down the street. Yeah. And I don't remember what we did first, lunch or visit, because it's been, you know, 14 yeah. years ago. But what I remember was we visited with her and her husband, and then we said the Lord's Prayer, and like two breaths after we said amen, she passed away. Oh, my goodness. So it felt like she was just holding on for that final amen of the Lord's Prayer, which was like one of those, like, that is such a God thing. Yeah. And like whatever decision we made for lunch or visit first, Mm -hmm. we made the right decision so that we were right there with her, which was probably, I think, the second person I was with when they passed in my lifetime, because I was there when my great aunt passed away, or great, great aunt. But so with her... And then the other story, like visiting somebody in the hospital, we had another member, elderly couple, and they would be like pretty much in the church, sneaking at the towards the beginning of service, sit in the back and leave. Oh, so you barely got any kind of connection. any talk and connection with them. And even when we had did the like luncheon for his wife, he's like, I've never been in this part of like the church, which was like where we kind of had meals yeah. and Bible studies. But I remember like going to visit with them the first time and talking, getting to know each other, even though like it was probably May, June, so like right, well into near the end. Near <laughs> the end. And of course, you know, with me, I'm sure with you, sometimes baseball comes up and talking <laughs> White Sox. Yep. And they were Cubs fans. Oh boy. But which is all good, you know, I can get along with Cubs fans. Jesus still loves them. Jesus still loves them. But I remember calling like, hey, you know, I'm gonna come to the hospital to see you guys. And I remember like one of his family members or something saying the next day or something when I talked to him later, like he made sure to put on his Cubs jacket because he knew I was coming just to kind of joke around. And I was like, in the midst of this guy's wife passing away, he still was wanting to do that. I'm like, what an awesome thing. And I remember going to his house to watch a Cubs-Sox game with him later, like not too long after that. But it's just that like, I don't know, like, you know, if I have a wife and she was dying... I don't think I'd be there to mess with the vicar of like putting on a socks jacket just because he's a Cubs fan. 
Uh, I think that's just, it just shows the, the love of Christ shining through his church. Right. And, um, and that was the thing that as I go, you know, being here back in, in the Chicago area, visiting St. Matthew, um, coming from Hickory, being in St. Louis now, it's still just one family of believers, no matter right. where you are. Right. And and it's uh, it's just such a cool experience to have that love and that trust already in place because of, of Christ. Right. I think it's like I've experienced it preaching at other churches when I'm filling yeah. in. And I know you got to fill in at a few different churches yeah. in South or North Carolina there. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, just going from place to place, you realize that that thing that binds us all together is Christ. Right. And um, as you're talking about that, gentleman, it reminded me of probably the the most humbling experience I had. Uh, I got to know this uh, this older gentleman. His wife had passed away ten years ago, and he was homebound. And, and I visited him on a monthly basis. And um, he passed in my last month there. Mm. And his family said. You meant so much to him. We would love for you to deliver the message at his funeral. Wow. And so that's the... I had preached one other funeral for a member who hadn't visited in 35 years. <laughs> so nobody knew him. And they're like, oh, that's a good one for the vicar to do. Right. Um, but this was a funeral message for somebody I knew and had gotten to, to have an actual relationship, right. uh, an inherent relationship. And um, just how humbling that was that the family would allow me to be there at that most important moment. Right. And, um, and yeah, like and it might sound weird, but that's almost like a joy of ministry. Oh, absolutely! Like, yes, you mourn that person, but it's like what an honor it is to celebrate this person's yeah. life, and, and then the the life that they will have in the resurrection. Right, like that's just that is the best part of ministry is to give people that hope, right, and remind them of what Jesus has done for them. And that's why I've told people in the past too, like you know, I've done funerals for the funeral home when they wanted a Lutheran pastor, mm-hmm. and I've done for people I know. It's almost harder to preach a funeral for somebody I don't know, yeah. especially if I don't get a lot of information from the family. Because yeah. even though it was probably the hardest, but it was almost the easiest uh, uh, funeral sermon I ever did was for Ma, which is my grandma. Mm-hmm. Like I had all those memories of 36 yeah. years with Ma. And so I had all that, but it was also hard because it was my grandmother yeah, who I knew that well for 36 years. But I had those stories and like even the family, like reaching out to like my siblings and my parents and even my nieces and nephew, because I remember my niece had something and I shared what she wrote. And I mean, that was a gravesite, but it's still one of those like, okay, this is easy because like I have all this stuff yeah. I can share, but still like I'm also trying to comfort myself because right. it's my own loved one I'm, that I'm mourning. Yeah. I, that's a tough situation. I haven't been there yet. But I'm sure, like, you can experience that with that first person you said you did the funeral for where you probably didn't know much about. Yeah, right. And it almost feels like a more generic that it's like, I always look at him like, it's preach Christ, yep. that Christ loved that person, mm-hmm. and also that he is here to comfort you in this time of loss. Yeah. And those are the two consistent messages and, right. and reminding people of the faith they received at their baptism. And, and, right. And, uh, and and that's something that's, even if you didn't know the person, you knew that Jesus was present then right. working in them. And, yeah, and he was there for those that are mourning yep. the loss. Yeah, he's there to comfort them, and it's an opportunity to share the gospel with people who may not hear it anywhere right. else. Right, you know, that's what they say about weddings and funerals. Right. Like you got a captive audience, <laughs> yep. and that's why I always make sure to proclaim Christ. And at funerals, they might actually be listening to Right. <laughs> but yeah, because I mean, there's been times where I've gone to some funerals that are not Lutheran, and I'm just like... I'm like, where's Jesus? Yeah. Where's Jesus? Like, I get it. This person's an awesome person, great person, but where's Jesus in right. all this? Yeah, I'm like, I need, the... I need some Jesus. <laughs> he's the one that you need to be hearing about on that day. Right. Yeah. 
But yeah, it's uh, as I think about Vicarage, um, I think those opportunities to be part of people's lives were key. Um, to grow and develop. And my biggest struggle has to do with that, the lack of that. And we've talked about confirmation class. I know you've, you've done a little work on confirmation. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. You know, a little academic degree and stuff, something like uh, that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but it was hard to be part of confirmation without that relationship in place right. because that's so key with youth. Is Right. I think it takes longer for right. youth in general to trust somebody in that spot. Right. And like, cause I want to say it was at my first church because they always had vicars up until I came, but they were kind of like, you know, it was almost hard to get handled with the vicar because like they would love them, yep. but it's like, it takes so much time to get used to them. Yeah. And then once you kind of get used to them and comfortable, boom, they're and they gone. Leave. Yeah. And that's what's so weird about that one year experience is that you are, you are walking in the steps of the people before you, but for certain people like youth, they, uh, that relationship doesn't carry over. That trust doesn't carry over. Where some of the adults will will recognize you in that role, the right. youth there they're much more about the individual and the people. Right. And, and that was the probably the struggle for me is that they didn't trust me. Right. <laughs> they weren't willing to share with me right away. And obviously, and too, that's probably a difference too. Being you know in your mid thirties when you're right. on Vicarage, I was in my mid twenties. Yeah. Well, so, and you've always been able to connect with youth and, and uh, young adults. Like that's just a gift of yours. Well, thank you. Yeah, not a gift of mine. I've always been able to connect with the older adults. Right. And you're very organized. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. A little bit there. But yeah. So, but I think that too played a role into that different relationship because I was more closer to their age. Yeah. Not saying it's a, that you didn't do a good job of it, but it's that idea of like you can relate because even now like there's things i'm like i don't know what they're talking about <laughs> and the kids sometimes because you know i'm further removed from that like yeah because you know it's like dawned on me this year that you know i've said a few other times i was like i've been out of high school 20 years yeah that's long feels like a long time i mean i know some listen for like 20 years is nothing but like as a kid you're like oh 20 years out of high school oh, yeah that's a long time from now oh yeah and, and i know for me like the the confirmation students are just a couple years older than my kids. And right. so I'm much more in that dad mode right. than in a friend or a buddy kind of mode. Right. It's that different role. And yeah. and it's that balancing act of where you want to, in a sense, be a friend, but not too much of a friend, yeah. where they trust you and respect you and don't take advantage of you. So it's that fine balancing act because you want them to be able to build that trust and yeah. be able to come to you. Mm-hmm. And I, and I hope that when I'm a pastor, I'm able to do that because I'll be there longer. And, right. And it won't necessarily be as a, a friend, but as their pastor. Right. And uh, and like you do right now as their pastor here, you right. are able to build that relationship. Right. You have that, way. you know, it's been seven years here at Emmanuel. And, yeah. But then being open and being like, you know, here is ways to get in contact with me. Right. Mm-hmm. Because kids, that's where they're at. Yeah. Yeah, it's so immediate that you need to be available when they need you. And it's not a, well, schedule a meeting with me next week. And it's not like the devil attacks and gives them hard times. (laughs) On a schedule. (laughs) Yeah, on a nine-to-five, like, business hour type deal. Right. It can fluctuate and being willing to be open. And I know we've kind of talked about that, and that's one of the things, too, I think, for, like, that you learn on Vicarage and even as a pastor is, like, the flexibility of your schedule. Yeah. It can't be super-duper rigid. Yeah. That, that was one of the uh, the themes of my vicarage. My uh, supervisor, Pastor Dave, uh, I made the mistake of telling him at the beginning that, you know, I don't mind being in uncomfortable situations because that's when you grow. Sure. So he made it his goal to make me as uncomfortable as possible throughout vicarage. And uh, and then I was able to gain some flexibility that way, you know, know mm-hmm. that... Uh, 
to expect the unexpected and, and to right. be willing to pivot when you need to pivot and then drop things to, to go work on something else or not work on something else, go visit somebody at the right time. Right. Or even because I don't know what your policy, but you know, my policy is my door is pretty much open all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, unless I'm editing a podcast because I want to try to be quiet because I'm paying attention or private or a private phone call or something. Right, yeah. But even that, like, which is fine. I'm great with it, having it open, but it invites people to come in yep. unexpectedly. And sometimes those can kind of slow down when you're working on something, yeah. which is fine. But it's like, okay, didn't get this done. But, you know, ministry was happening, which is right. more, that's just as important. Yeah. And I'm coming from the corporate world and marketing where it's all about getting things done and, and to-do lists and that. And that's been a... A change for me, but a good change where people are the focus, not right. tasks. But not yeah, that's work. what it's about. Is like I still go back to what President Meyer said when we graduated. He's like, love your people. Yeah. That's what it's all about, guys. It's like, just love your people. And and not everybody is is real lovable for uh, us, but right. they're all loved by Christ. Right. And, and and that was a cool experience at Vicarage of just realizing how quickly I could love people because. I was looking at them from a different perspective, right. looking at them through the eyes of Christ and not uh, through my own eyes. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't know about you, but one thing I really appreciate at my vicar is what my supervising pastor did was he's like, listen, I'm not trying to make you how I am as a pastor. You need to figure out what works for you. I'm here to help and guide and give you suggestions and talk to you about, but you got to figure out what works for you. Yeah, that was um, a really cool aspect of being at St. Stephen's is that the pastors were, there's a, two pastors, a senior and an associate, and they, they're very different in personalities and different from me too. Right. And, and they really emphasize that, just be yourself, whether it was from preaching or, or teaching. And, and, you know, I always try to fit into the context, right. um, but it did help me figure out what works for me. And, and they like to preach from uh, a note, like an outline with notes and, and I did that some, but I find that preaching without notes, I feel more natural with that. Okay. And, um, and, and they were totally fine with that, even though <laughs> Pastor Dave said near the end, he's like, it always makes me nervous and uncomfortable when you go up there without notes. <laughs> I'm like, good. I, I'm glad I could... Uh, <laughs> give put, it back. Yeah, give it back. But, um, but they never tried to force me to do anything the way they did it. Right. I mean, and I've done both where I've preached off of notes or an outline, mm-hmm. full manuscript. Yeah. And that's where I think on Vicarage I learned in like, when I do work on like trying to memorize a sermon, like I don't know how this started in me, but I know it was on Vicarage. But like I can't just sit and look at it. Oh, I, you... I I gotta walk. Like if I'm gonna memorize it, like I remember walking around the sanctuary at Redeemer, walking around the parsonage. <laughs> remember doing the same thing at Salem, walking around <laughs> and like and I don't know maybe because it's like it might be a little distraction. I know sometimes even at my house when I'm kind of going through it, yeah. I would be putting maybe something away. As I'm like kind of going through it in my head, but I was like, maybe it's because, as you know, there's a lot of distractions, people getting up oh, and yeah. different things. But yeah, so that was something like, I'm like, I just can't sit in a chair yeah. and memorize. Well, I like to go and, and preach, or like practice from where I'm going to preach mm. because you get that kind of spatial memory as you do it. Right. I find that I look in the same spots or at the same people or when I'm practicing, I'm like, okay, I know who's going to be sitting over there and, and they right. need to hear this point. And, and, right. Uh, yeah, it really gives you a chance to connect. Yeah, and I've done that too where I preach from where I know I'm going to preach and like... And like when I would do that here Emmanuel, like I just have all the lights out in the sanctuary, yep. not turn anything on, which is kind of a cool, kind of calming, like yeah. just in the dark a little bit. I mean, I know our sanctuary lights up pretty well with the big glass there wall. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but we it's, yeah, we were just there. I was showing Peter around Emmanuel a little bit. 
But yeah, so what else, like anything else you want to share about Vicarage? Well, let's see. I'd say probably the the cool part for me, which uh, I was probably most apprehensive about and ended up becoming really the best part of Vicarage for me, uh, was working with the new youth director. Mm. So they, uh, when I, on call day, shortly thereafter, um, I fe- they f- had their DCE, their director of Christian education, took a call to a different organization. And so they were in the middle of a call process when I got there. And I found out that the, that one person who was a lay member who had been volunteering with the youth group for 15 years had put his name in the, the hat for a, um, possibly being hired for that job. And so they were looking at a, a DC from another church. Uh, they were possibly going to call a pastor to serve in that role or this lay person. So three very different kind of backgrounds. Right. And Depending on who it was, um, I would likely be sharing an office with them, which mm. for me, I've never shared an office with anybody. Right. I don't like my space. And uh, so I was like, oh, good. I'm going to share an office with a layperson. Like, <laughs> that's going to be an interesting experience. And, and ended up, he got the job uh, unanimously. Everybody wanted him. And I hadn't really gotten to know him at all. Uh, until I started sharing an office with him. And we became great friends, and we worked on confirmation together. We did all sorts of things together. And um, he hadn't been theologically trained, but um, he had the relationship with the right. kids. And so we made it a great pair working right, Kind together. of, in a sense, filling in where the other is maybe lacking a exactly. little. Yeah, that would be like, you know, in my time as a vicar and as a pastor, I've never had to share my office with anybody, yeah. which is because, I mean, I know how I like to work, right. like, I like my music on quietly, mm-hmm. and I like somewhat neat, organized on my desk. Like, you know, my, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in my office, <laughs> some VBS stuff, but like my workspace is pretty organized, pretty neat. Yeah. And even with, with all the stuff I do have, I kind of know where everything generally is. Mm-hmm. But it's just that, like, yeah, I like my kind of space. And, yeah. uh, and, and so to work with Randall and to, to develop that relationship, like that was a highlight because we got to be really close. His family invited my family out for vacation at the Outer Banks. And, okay. Uh, and he just, uh, they showed so much love to my kids. Um, they just adore Randall. Mm. Um, and so that just that relationship that was formed when it was something I was very nervous about, right. um, it just shows how the Lord's working and right. putting God the was, right people in the right time and right place. God was at work and knowing you'd be the right person to be there at that time to make that tr- transition with Randall. Right, yeah. And so because I was able to teach him things that he needed to learn mm-hmm. and and the pastors there and it's a big congregation. So they were always going one place or the other and so he got, you know, focused attention and and right. I got to learn from him on how to interact with the youth and uh, it was just a great experience. So that's one of the the main takeaways and and now I like to joke with Randall that when I end up at a congregation I'll be hiring him on as my youth director. <laughs> Yeah. Although I did say we probably wouldn't share an office then. <laughs> you sure about that? No, it, it, worked, it, it worked well the first time. Yeah. When, uh, when we left, uh, he uh, jokingly talked about this for the next vicar, so I took care of it for him. I, I took some uh, blue masking tape and, and did a line through the office. So kind of like a, a yeah. sitcom. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. The room. But I made sure that the new vicar didn't get that much space. So like, Do you know the new vicar? I, I'm, uh, we've gotten to know each other since called that. I didn't know him before called okay. that, but we've been interacting and texting back and forth. Okay. And, uh, yeah, he's been kind of, asking me different things. And Yeah, because I, I mean, I knew a little bit the vicar that followed me at Redeemer. I think uh, he was a classmate of mine. It was a banger. T- 
Well, Luke Walters, but yeah, he married oh, his wife. Is yeah, yeah. that's right. That's yeah, yeah, because Pastor Banger was yeah. my right my uh, field work supervisor for part of the time because originally it was Pastor Schultz because they were tag team. They were uh, associate senior pastor there at Emmanuel, Washington, Missouri. But yeah, so Luke was the one who followed me there. Yeah, and uh, and I think Pastor Banger is related to friends of ours from uh, my, our church in St. Louis, Salem. Okay. And so I got to see Luke at one of their family parties one time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And Luke's a great guy. Yeah, I mean, I knew I knew who he was. I think we had a few interactions, but you know, kind of you're saying we talked a little bit more after. Yeah. Questions, but like, you know, you think about those relationships you form. That is like one of the hardest things is when you do leave. Yeah. Whether it is Vicarage or a church, because you got a new call somewhere. But like another humbling I had, I remember one of the last sermons that I preached there, which was funny because like my last pretty much thing I did at my Vicarage congregation in Oklahoma was the NYG in 2010 in New Orleans. Oh, wow. Like I came back and like two or three days later I was gone. So, so that was like the last thing in like kind of that service was a kind of a recap and I was kind of talking about the messages at the youth gathering and I mentioned the poem Footprints, which is a poem I yeah. love. Mm-hmm. And one of our members, and he was an awesome guy. He was an ed- elder. His name was Ed. But he would call every single person in the congregation on their birthday and start singing Happy Birthday. <laughs> he even did that a few times after I left Vicarage. Oh, my goodness. But they had like a thing hanging on their wall in their home with the Footprints prayer on. And they took that from off their wall and gave that to me. Oh, wow. So I was like, that is a really humbling thing, thinking this was a decoration or something they had up in their home. Yeah. And they thought enough to give it to me That's at my going away celebration. Wow. So that was a really humbling, like, wow. Yeah. You know, you mentioned going away celebrations. that They did some uh, big party for us, and, and everybody is super generous. But... Um, the hard part about leaving was our kids. Mm. Like um, my my wife Laura, she's a, a school teacher, and um, so she had been teaching at the same school in St. Louis for 15 years. So my kids uh, had been there their entire lives, and so when we got when we told them that we were asking for a vicarage out of state, they weren't too excited about it. And um, Sawyer had just finished up third grade melody had just finished up kindergarten and so they didn't really want to move to north carolina Everett he just got Everett wasn't born yet when we right left. He, you know he probably did not want to leave you that's all he knew was north carolina right but so they um, they quickly became involved at the school and the, everybody there showed them so much love that when we were getting ready to leave like nobody wanted to leave north carolina because the congregation had shown them so much love and and mm-hmm. The the church threw us a goodbye party on a Saturday afternoon, but that morning we invited the kids' classes um, mm. for a, what what Laura called a final recess. Okay, and I think there was forty something people that came wow. out for that, and just like showing how much uh, they loved and appreciated our kids and the relationships that were formed and tears and everything and. Right. Yeah, so now my the the kids didn't want to go back to their hometown because Hickory was home. For well, them, I know? mean, it is St. Louis. I mean, who really <laughs> wants to go back to St. Louis? <laughs> Careful there. That's home. That's also a home for us now. But. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was there for three years, living in St. Louis and St. <laughs> Louis area for like seven altogether. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's not Chicago. Uh, yeah, yeah, not it's not nearly as much traffic. <laughs> that is true. Or Cubs fans. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so any kind of thoughts as we wrap up here? Well, I think, um, at least especially for your listeners and uh, at this congregation, I think um, just remembering that your, your church workers are there to share the love of Christ. 
and and yet you can share that same love of Christ for them and by taking care of them. And, and I know from the stories you've shared, your congregation loves you and cares right. for you in that yeah, same I'm way. I'm very blessed to be serving here. But what we found at St. Stephen's, uh, which is just such a wonderful witness to other people, is that it wasn't just us that they welcomed. New members came throughout our time there, and they felt that same love. And, and uh, I think vicars can get spoiled, and, and pastors can get spoiled too, because right. everybody knows who they are. Right. Um, but the more you can share that love of Christ with new people as they come in, um, it's it's just a, a wonderful way to build up your community and mm-hmm. and and multiply from there because uh, it it makes people excited to come to worship and then to invite other people and right. uh, invite their one. <laughs> right. We've talked about yeah, we talked about that. Yep. And and sharing that love, um, it's just it, it shows you are truly a, the family of Christ. Right. And, and vicarage was just all of that in a very small amount of time. You know, I felt that at our home congregation for sure in St. Louis and certainly feel that here at St. Matthew and Barrington. Um, But to have that in one compact year and to witness how that congregation loves people, um, it it just changed how I approach ministry in the future and just making sure that that permeates everything you do. Right. And as you'll find out even more in the future, like it is an amazing job being a pastor. I love what I do, even when things aren't the greatest or when you're struggling or when there are difficult times going on, but it's still an amazing thing. And it is all about, like I said, what President Meyer said, just love your people. And it's just a very humbling thing, like what people invite you into their lives to be a part of. And I'm very blessed. And I know you experienced it just in this past year, but even more as you get ready to prepare for your first call in a year, because yeah. about this time next year, you'll either be there or on your way to that oh, first yeah. call. Yeah, absolutely. Wherever that might be, anywhere right. in the country. <laughs> right. So now I thank you, Peter, so much for joining on. Was this your first podcast being on? Um, well, certainly the first time here. Uh, I've done a number oh, of things in uh, my past career. Yeah, because I remember I kind of did like a video almost on the podcast on about technology with you. Yeah, we did. A, um, when I worked at CPH, I worked at the technology division, and uh, we did live videos every Thursday for a year. Right. Um, just uh, and and turn those. We never actually turned those into podcasts. Uh, but, but it's it kind like, of like, it it's like a, a podcast. podcast. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I forgot I did that with you a few years ago because I, I remember I was at Emmanuel when we did that. Yeah, I think we had you on to talk about Snapchat, something like that. Yeah, and we're interacting with youth and yeah, things we didn't know much about, but you knew a lot about and it. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. And let me say a prayer before we get going here. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for this time to get to visit and catch up with Peter, get to hear about his vicarage and what you are doing through him at St. Stephen's there in North Carolina, Lord. We just thank you for his ministry that he's had there, and Lord, continue to train him and help him as he prepares for his first call in the coming year, Lord. Just continue to use him to be a witness for your kingdom and share your love with all people. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.